0: Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company.
1: You heard it, Silver 7's. Great rewards for playing here with the A-Play card. Three days a week they've got gift giveaways, and now they've added, for July, the Thursday Great Gas Giveaway. $100 gift cards go out every 15 minutes between 6 and 10 tonight, right after Cofield and company. So come on down. Great spot here at Flamingo and Paradise. John Von Tobel is in as the company. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Jed is running the controls. He's the prize giver, sometimes security guard. Right, We have a lot of people who love us. They come up and try to hug John Von Tobel. So Jed is all ready for that. Big five time.
2: Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five.
1: You know, John's the kind of guy, He's he admits it, he's an ageist, and he's not even mild about it. Uh, yesterday or a couple days ago on uh, one of the shows, he was trying to loop me in with Jerry Jones as a kind of a horse's ass who doesn't know what he's saying a lot of times. Yes. Not very nice. We're actually, he's 27 years older than, than I am, so I didn't appreciate that. But I do appreciate John's old school values because he's always he's always back in the young, the young people, the punks. I do like his old school values when it comes to parenting. This sounds like a vicious story to me, so I was surprised that you had a positive take.
3: About the chess kid?
1: Yes, the chess kid.
3: So, a uh, seven-year-old, I'm assuming he's a chess phenom because he's seven and he knows how to play chess. Like, that's just, like, my that's my bar. If you know how to play chess at a very young age, you're probably pretty good at it. So, out in, of course, Mother Russia during the Moscow Open, um, which, again, parameters are this kid's got to be brilliant. He was playing chess against a robot okay the child made the incorrect move and as punishment the robot reached over and broke his finger
1: that's horrifying say <laughs> so you're not shocked by that that a rope that no, he didn't actually get no, I'm, I'm not surprised or shocked robots are little bastards that they and they're not they're not completely under control
3: but do you understand what i was alleging there that the robot was programmed to break the child's finger when he made a mistake. Do
1: you really believe it was programmed? No, it wasn't.
3: There's safety parameters. You have to wait for the robot to finish the move, right? It's like this little claw thing that like goes like this and like reaches down real quick and like grabs the pieces, and the kid was just a little too quick on the trigger. And so he went to move the piece before the robot was done. The robot grabbed his little finger and snapped it. Now... Would I love a world in which there was an actual chess robot that punished little children by breaking their fingers if they made the incorrect move? Like, we're talking, right? We talked about the Raiders buying in and doing laps whenever they made a mistake. You think they'd make mistakes if every time there was a false like a false start, Josh McDaniels came over with pliers and, like, ripped a fingernail out?
1: You learn. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, it's corporal punishment, but it's mean. It's over the top. But you learn. So the kid he moved the kid made the move too quickly. That's kind of awesome. Can
3: I also say this is this is an awesome quote from the story? Uh, Sergey uh, Lazarev, the president of the Moscow Chess Federation, said, "The robot broke the child's finger. This is, of course, bad."
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. I feel like the Russians have softened. What pansies, right? Do You remember Drago? I I know. I, I'm Wilson? not going to remember any details, but I know who he is. Yes.
3: It was a lot harder, a lot more hardcore back then. Right. A
1: lot more hardcore back then. I feel like this is just another Monday. He killed a guy. He killed. Is that the he killed he,
3: Apollo? Is that the and guy they, who and says and if the, he dies, and he dies. And they were,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. And they're, just, they're just like yeah, <laughs> the way it goes. It's boxing, baby. <laughs> for the Russians, yes.
3: This is chess. we we'll break your finger. I saw the queen's gambit. I know how it goes. Chess is a rough world, man.
1: Number four. Draymond Green wants an extension for the max. He wants 138 million dollars. Sorry, I couldn't finish it.
3: I you're not look, I'm pro Draymond, all right? I find his value for the great as he, yeah. for the Golden State Warriors. And I, I should also we should also make it known before he got injured this year, was going to run away with defensive player of the year. He has value as a player. Having said that, you're not gonna find many we'll call him one and a half way players. Right, because he's not really contributing much on offense, but he's a very good defensive player. There's not many one and a half way players who are garnering max money. Especially on a team that's in a cap situation and just, you know, financial situation, like the Golden State Warriors are. They already have Clay Thompson, who's making north of forty million each of the next two years. They have Steph Curry, who's making north of I believe fifty million, if I remember his contract correctly, as they move forward in this deal. That's kind of wild. And now you have Draymond Green asking for max money. I don't think he'd get that anywhere else. I think he's in the right position to potentially push for it, if that's the case. I think
1: he's brilliant for pushing for it. Because right. as you mentioned earlier, he's got Steph on his side, so he might get it. He, and that's why he might get it.
3: Now, I will say this. I do, because we talked to Xavier Pope earlier. I do think Xavier is wrong in assuming that all he's getting is, I think he said, like the mid-level exception for a veteran well, or something.
1: Xavier was saying that he thought Draymond on the open market is really only worth 10 mil a year.
3: I think he'd get a little bit more than that. He'd get a lot more. Yeah, he, he, in today's NBA, especially, I mean, just to be fair, too, where guys are getting paid, the level is a lot higher than what that would be. Right. right? So he would have a lot more value than that. Uh, and
1: I'll also throw in the, not to be too harsh, but the league is filled with idiots at times who run teams who will overpay someone.
3: Look at what the Knicks are considering.
1: Yes. I mean, the Knicks have done it for the last 30 years mm-hmm. at different times, and they, I mean, I let... I like Brunson, but what's he making, $27 million a year?
3: Something like that, yeah.
1: That seems a little high. And there there could be a mid-level franchise that's like, hey, this is the glue guy. But my problem, if Draymond went somewhere and actually got, say, $30 million a year and they weren't winning, I, I don't know that he's bought in. Right. I think this is a special situation where he can coexist, and he still flips out at times and still looks disinterested sometimes. And certainly hurt a lot. I mean, that was. So I'd be very careful on the open market about what I would pay Draymond Green. But I actually, I don't think he'll get 138. But I think he's going to cash in. And I will tell you at that point, Joe Lacob, the owner of the Warriors, who just got fined by Adam Silver for whining about the luxury tax, bruh, you can't whine anymore. Yeah. You here, you got a choice: lower the uh, luxury tax number and you'll know, get closer to the threshold, or give Draymond wherever he wants. But you're going to pay.
3: And uh, and it's a fascinating scenario because Draymond is now effectively on a one and one. Like he's working out, he's he's on the last two years of an extension, but there's a player option for that last year. Now I'm going to assume that Draymond Green is going to, as we always see, uh, opt into that contract, like that final year, because that's what we see all the time. Guys at the tail end of their careers, and I think Draymond's much closer to the end of his career than he is to the beginning at this point right now. Um, And he would be turning down. I just want to be sure I have this figure right. $27.5 million in that option year if he turns it down. He'll probably make a little less than that on the market. But we'll see. A Max, that's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money for a guy who, like I said, like I think is an incredible defensive player. And he runs your offense like maybe nobody else can probably do in the future years. But as much as I love that guy, he's not Max Money. Number three.
1: Are the Bucks the favorite to win the NFC? NFC, yes. Even over the Rams? Yes. What if I told you that one of their guards retired, another signed elsewhere, and their center may be out for the season?
3: Then I'm down to play against them, baby.
1: Ryan Jensen, this sucks. It does. He got a knee injury. All we're getting right now is it could be a serious knee injury. Yeah. I mean, it could be four weeks for all we know. But if he goes down – for the season, and it means the entire interior offensive line from last year has to be replaced. Yep. Nope. Well, with, with, with a guy who, listen, he's brilliant. You know, we all know the the way to slow down Brady in any way is to get pressure, and especially pressure up the middle.
3: And and think about, it, I mean, this was arguably one of the best offensive lines in the league last year. And now, and that's just how quick things can change in the NFL, where one guy leaves, a twenty eight year old a twenty eight year old retires. And then your center gets hurt, and now you're looking around and going, wow, we have to patch together the interior of the offensive line going into the year. And that's one of our quarterback's biggest weaknesses. I already kind of thought coming into the season that – not that the Bucks were bad, but that they were a little overvalued, especially when you come, talk about, like, the NFC South. I think they're like, some spots minus 360 to win that division when the Saints got quite a few things going for them, I think, when they go into this year. So I thought they were kind of already up there. But now – and again – This isn't to say that they're not going to still win 11, 12 games potentially. But when you're talking about winning on the margins and winning those playoff games, those high-caliber playoff games, situations like this, that's what make the difference. So while they still could have a very good record from a regular season standpoint, this injury could now be the difference between them and a Super Bowl this year.
1: Number two. Cardinals Kyler Murray. First time he gets a chance to speak after – the study clause in his contract. Cardinals in the contract said he's got to do four hours of independent study each week, or there could be financial penalties. Before we tell you what he said, I wanted your reaction. Is this a leak, a mistake to have it out there, or do the Cardinals put it out on purpose?
3: That's what I want to know. That's I'm not I'm not fascinated by the clause itself. Like I get all the implications of it and whatever it is. And I'm just more fascinated by who in the world put this out there. And and the other this is what gets lost in it too, is it's the weird way that Ian Rappaport reported it as well, in which he phrased it as there's give and takes in contracts. Like he tried to present it as a positive. He's like and this is one of the examples. Who fed that to Ian Rappaport? And the reason why it makes the most logical sense that it was the Cardinals because it doesn't make Kyler Murray look good in any way, shape, or form. When you have people who study these contracts and say, I have never seen this before in a contract, ever, for an NFL player, there is only one unless there's just somebody in the Cardinals front office who acted brazenly because Kyler Murray didn't tip them or did something and just don't like him as a guy, (laughs) and they leaked this to Ian Rappaport. The only person this is coming from is inside the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, I think the Cardinals leaked it. Uh, I have seen a lot of people say this is embarrassing for the Cardinals. Not the leak, but the fact that they paid this guy all this money and had to put this in. But I I think the Cardinals' plan was we're going to shame him so that we don't have to deal with this down the road because this will be attached to him forever. People will break down film and go, he's missing stuff out there. He's not studying. Now people are going to jump to that conclusion now. Kyler Murray went in, and I still think Kyler Murray is immature and he's got to grow up, and he's a very young guy. He goes in and says this, and I understand you want to fight back. You're insulted, right, that people are annihilating you and saying you don't work off the field. He says, to think I can accomplish everything in my career and not be a student of the game, it's disrespectful, it's almost a joke. Now people will latch on to, to think that I accomplished everything in my career. There's a lot of people out there who are like, what have you accomplished? Now I think he's accomplished something. Course he is. He's you know five foot four and a, you know a 190 pounds and he is a top ten quarterback, he can get better. First he round
3: selection of multiple leagues. He needs leagues. to
1: get better, he's not five foot four, but you get my point. Yeah. So he's accomplished something. There was some doubt about him. But there's a lot of people who are gonna look at it and say, you've accomplished what, a four ninety six winning percentage? What, what what accomplishment is that?
3: Well and I think when you look at it too, I mean if you're really cutting into some of his words, there's a lot of people who accomplish accomplish things by doing the bare minimum. I think the rebuttal would be, if this is true, think about what you could be doing if you're actually applying yourself on a week-to-week basis and studying your opponents. Because the other pushback, which was really weird, was some of his teammates were like, he knows the playbook in and out. Yeah, that's that's not what this clause is saying. The clause is saying he needs to study his opponents. It's great that he memorizes the playbook. He doesn't do anything in terms of studying for the opponent of that week. That's the problem. But I, like, I, I, he, I didn't think he... And I get it, like you said. You want to come out because there's a lot of conversations about you and your work ethic. I don't think he came off the best today in calling an impromptu press conference just to list off his accomplishments and say, look what I've done, because there's a really easy way to poke holes in that. And you're almost kind of speaking to the fact that everybody kind of thought you were a little petulant and somewhat immature coming into this year, and now he does that.
1: Number one. Josh McDaniels, Raiders coach, spoke today, hit on a bunch of topics. Including the offensive line. He talked a lot about uh, Dylan Parham. Talked about the offensive line coaches, both of them. Mm -hmm. Thought that was real interesting. And then he got to Denzel Perriman. So we know the leaders of this team, some of the stars of the team. Guys like Max Crosby, Derek Carr, you know, soon to be with this group, Devontae Adams. Soon to be with this group, Chandler Jones. Denzel Perriman's back. And he's a really interesting character. And, you know, I will, give, I will give Mayock and Gruden credit on this front. They did have a lot of success pulling guys off, and I'll be a little bit harsh. This is not truly the case, but the scrap heap, mm-hmm. right? Guys that are kind of towards the end of their career or maybe other organizations gave up on them. So they bring in Perriman, who's been in the division before. And he turned out to be one of their best players. Casey Hayward was amazing, right? Arguably one of the best cornerbacks in all of football. And Perriman Perriman was a godsend, especially with, you know, some of the free agent signings they made, a linebacker just did not work out. Here's McDaniels talking about everything that Perriman does from hard work but also being vocal on the field and off.
0: He's very confident, he keeps it lighthearted, but he's serious about the game of football. And he works hard, he's trying to work hard to get better at things that maybe he hasn't done as much of, which I love about him. Pushes his teammates, holds them accountable, leads the same way every single day. Very consistent presence in our building. Doesn't go up and down and ride a roller coaster, no doubt about it. If there's any issue, you can be sure that Denzel will bring it to my attention, you know, as soon as possible. If you go to Denzel with something that we need from the team, like, he'll get it done. Um, he's got the respect of the entire locker room. You love hearing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? That he'll come to the coach and tell him something's wrong. And if McDaniels goes to him, hey, this needs to change, he gets it done.
3: So he's a snitch? Yeah.
1: No. But what it, what it got me thinking of was some of the, the um, after-season stuff about the Knights. Oh, uh, yeah? There was a lot more discussion after changes with DeBoer and the fact that it was an underwhelming season More guys were like, we miss Ryan Reeves. And remember, a lot of people in, in the Valley were like, eh, Ryan Reeves on the mm-hmm. on the ice. yeah, not that good. Teams need – seriously, teams need leaders. And I know this sounds obvious, but we hear it all the time now from coaches. Uh, they like to see units and teams player-led sometimes. Mm-hmm. So while the Knights, I think, are going to be kind of fighting to find who is going to step up and be more aggressive, Alec Martinez was the one who pointed out we, you know, basically as a group, we just didn't have guys who could do something beyond what DeBoer did. So you got to have guys on, on both sides who are going to go in there and freaking command respect and sometimes get in people's grills. And it sounds like Perriman is that guy, emerging as that guy. Because Crosby leads a lot by example, mm-hmm. but they need a vocal dude, and Perriman's that guy.
3: And it's a really good benefit if the guy is productive and vocal, right? Yeah. Like, that was kind of the downside of Reeves, is on the ice, not that productive. But at least he had a vocal presence, and if you can get both in one package,
1: pretty good. I mean, it sounds to me like Mark Stone, when he's healthy, is really productive, but he's not, you know, fire and brimstone guy. Right. So to have the combo is freaking awesome.
3: It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000.
2: Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's
0: Colefield and Company.
1: John, what's going on with your LA Angels? I I, oh, uh, I don't know why I let you do this, but you've got the floor. It's not it's not good right now for you. No, it's, it,
3: it, we know what you need to do. Blow it up. It's done. It's over. Why? Okay? Mike Trout has a back issue that is going to linger with him throughout the rest of his career.
1: You sure you want to say that? Based on what your plan is moving forward? You might want to keep that under wraps. Well, I mean like, we, like you know that. The Angels know that. Do you think that there's an executive that's like driving around this place like, What? Mike Trout is what? I had so much on the table for right. that guy. Back injury? Nope. Yeah, it's
3: I think it's time. I think we're done. Now, the deal is here you want this is this is my I'll put on my baseball general manager cap. You ready for this? You trade Otani in the offseason. Otani should not be an Anaheim Angel once twenty twenty three begins. It's over. Okay? Trade him and get Everything back next year because Trout says, "Hey, Trout says he can play with him, right?" Says he'll deal with it. Also says for some reason he'll be back this year. Which Trout, I love you guy, but you also said last year you'd be back with a calf issue, and then you never came back. Okay, so like that's you don't have to you don't have to pretend to come back if you're hurt. You're hurt. Don't play. I could be wrong on that, but I believe he never returned after he suffered a calf injury at the end of last year. And I might even the calf, regardless, missed time. If the If the value is indeed down on Mike Trout, you play him, hopefully he puts up productive numbers, ship him at the trade deadline. But by the end of next season, when we hit the end of the 2023 regular season, if Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout are both angels at season's end, it is a massive failure
1: on the part of the angels. It just flat out is. see. I'm looking at Trout's contract. That is high through (laughs) 2030. Yeah, oh man, 12 year, $426 million deal. Uh, 22 to 30. He's in the 30. Oh, every year he gets 35.45 million. Yeah, because I was actually thinking, I'm like, well, it's a big roll of the dice, but if you can get him right, he's friggin' awesome. Mm -hmm. And you know what, as a Yankee fan, Aaron Judge did enough with the he's not, he hasn't been whining. But it's but this whole thing's been lingering. He turned down what he turned down, like 213 million for yeah. seven years. It Was like ah, insulting. Would the Angels do it straight up? Or you you have to do you you you're set on rebuilding?
3: No, set on rebuilding. I don't want I don't want Aaron Judge.
1: Why judge and Otani and spend money? No, they're not going to spend money though. That's the thing. They have to. They're at, in a big market. At what you're point? You're not rebuilding. Cut it out. They're not. But here's the thing. And we said we talked about it the other day. You don't even trust him to rebuild. But but that's about. At least if they spend on major league players, although those guys have a track record, they they're gonna no prospects. They're gonna nail it on prospects. They have no prospects
3: of their own. It's the shotgun approach. It is the throw it at the wall and see what sticks approach. You might be terrible at it, but if enough are thrown at you in terms of prospects, one of them's got to hit, right? Maybe two, and maybe that works in that in that range. And I think that's the thing. Like there is, they are going nowhere. And while they do spend money, they spend it on guys who are at about the age of 30. They sign them for too long for too much, and the decline hits. Anthony Rendon has been a nightmare. Albert Pujols, nightmare might be strong, was not effective for the money that they were paying him. Josh Hamilton was a nightmare. C.J. Wilson, not very productive at all. So the times that they they have chosen to spend money, they have completely missed and done it with the wrong guys. Garrett Cole was available. And I don't know if Garrett Cole was just dead set on going to New York, but at no point were the Angels rumored to be serious contenders for Garrett Cole. Those are the types of guys you have to be in on on every offseason. Your name at least has to be there to show that you're willing to spend money on these guys, and they haven't.
1: By the way, I retract as a Yankee fan any thought of trading for Trout. Right. Well, because it actually – I was just busting your chops and see if you uh, you would take judge, but um, it actually goes completely against – the way you should build baseball teams no one should have more than a four-year deal i don't care how good they are right you can I mean, especially if you're a big budget team you can always get other guys aaron judge is awesome i'm not giving aaron judge who again has he's broken down any 67 282 like he's going to have problems down the road and like i even i know people you know oh juan soto you know 15 year 441 that's a terrible deal i think tatis is a terrible deal look i mean tatis isn't disciplined enough to not act like a horse's ass Away from the game. I hope he is now. Right. guys, and play the whole year. You know, two years, a year and a half ago, he signed 14-340. 14 years. It's stupid. That's crazy. It's a baseball play. I mean, like you said, you know, you didn't say anything. But but backs are oh, backs can be an issue. Freaking you tear whatever. Ligaments here and there. You can lose it.
3: And, and I'd also say this, and this is more like some hardcore stuff with the Angels. But, like, at some point, you really have to do some internal looking at the way that you evaluate guys from a medical standpoint. For an eight-year stretch, they were having a pitcher blow out a UCL almost every single year, right? They consistently sign guys whose bodies fail them on the t- like once those contracts kick in. And now we have this with Trout where we have seen now, like this isn't a surprise with Mike Trout. Like the back itself, right, the actual injury itself might be coming as a surprise. But we've seen this now for the last three seasons with Trout, four seasons. Injuries have, becoming, have become a recurring theme with missed, Mike Trout.
1: He's missed 154 games the last – it's really two full seasons. Yeah.
3: It's been a deal with him.
1: 2020 he actually played most of the season to COVID year. That was the COVID. But season. the last, I mean, last year he played 36. He's played what 79 of about 100 yep. this year.
3: So, I just think at the end of the day, if you're if you're really dead set on making this, you have two options, like you said, okay? You have two options. This offseason and it's it sucks to say cuz Trout's been awesome, but it's not about showing my Trout anymore cuz you got him locked up. This offseason, you show show Shohei Ohtani that you're serious about spending and buy anything you can in terms of arms and bats to make this team a legitimate contender or sell everything and suck for a while and build up the farm system, which has been barren for years.
2: Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Racing Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.
0: really enjoy this group. It's ultimately their culture, and it's ultimately their team. And what we do and how we do it, they're going to define it. We try to set an expectation and a standard of, of what we're looking for, but ultimately they're going to do it. And they hold one another accountable to that standard, and they have a lot of fun doing it. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company.
1: Josh McDaniels right before the Raiders were practicing. Day 8 of Raiders camp. A lot of people out there, a lot of media out there, and a lot of fans. They've got like uh, six bleachers set up with invited fans, and they're showing up consistently even though it's pretty hot, even in the morning. There's something watching football up close that gets it gets you fired up, like on the field and the whole process, the practicing, all the drills they go through. It really is It's a cool thing to follow. But I wonder what it's like. like, like I think that way. But I wonder what it's like for a guy who played in the NFL to get back out there around the guys. Mark McMillan played in the league. Much of his time was with the Eagles. Uh,
3: can I just say, yes? Because we have Mark on. Yeah. I'm going to assume, and he can obviously answer this. I'm going to assume the thirst to play again comes around more when you're watching the games as opposed to watching them sweat and well, grind good. in training
1: camp. That's a good point. What do you think, Mark?
2: Um, I, I just just seeing the, the ball, the grass. Uh, you know, I caught myself actually, uh, you know, moving, act like I was making a break on the ball uh it, it's like that even when i'm watching the game it's like you're still in it uh, i guess it's almost like a boxer you know they never lose that that knack to want to throw that jab uh you know for a football player man it was exciting for me uh just to be out there and uh, be up and close and personal and and see the guys moving around man there's nothing like the game of football man. i don't i know a lot of people you know the game has changed but to me it's still football
3: so when you're out there now, when you watch training camp in the way that it's different from when you were playing, you're out there like, come on, man. Like, this is easy. This isn't training camp. This is nothing compared to what I had to go through back in the day.
2: After I saw the cooling uh, cooling trailer and then I saw Jonathan Abram come out with an otter pop, I was like, wait a minute. There's no way Bud Carson would have gave us an otter pop or Marty Schottenheimer would have put us in a cold tub or a cold I don't even know what that thing is called. It's futuristic. It's great. But I, I it, guys were taking, you know, breaks in between sessions and going to cool off in this thing and just walking out like there's nothing. I was like, it, it's like the Taj Mahal of, of, of NFL now, man.
1: Yeah. Well, hydration has become a big thing, and it's obviously 105 degrees in Vegas, so they want to make sure the guys aren't keeling over. We kind of learned a lot more about that, so the, the brutal camps of the passive. They've eliminated. I know uh, in talking to you for a couple of seconds – Uh, You were super impressed with the facility, too, right? Oh, the
2: facility is is great, man. Uh, But you you know, from the past facilities that I'm used to, the Veteran Stadium—that was, you know, the The concrete rat motel. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the the facility is great. You know, these guys are set up to be uh, for success. You know, there's no excuse for these guys to come in out of shape or not be in tip-top shape or not. uh, You know, I I still don't understand the injuries of, of guys of lately. Uh, especially seeing the facilities and knowing all the round-the-clock treatment that these guys get, uh, maybe because it's a lack of contact now. Um, you know, we're used to banging and, and and hitting. So when the game was was there, you were you know your body was conditioning. Now these guys don't hit, and only time they get in contact is during game day. And I, I'm sure that has something to do with it.
1: Mark McMillan with us, played with the Eagles, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Niners, and back then the Redskins. Uh, did you have? Fans at camps as close as the Raiders fans are at this camp? Um, In
2: in uh, Philly, as a Westchester, you know, the fans were real close. You know, that was probably a really good setup. Um, out of all the camps that I had, uh, New Orleans, down in River Falls, the fans were pretty close. But in uh, Westchester and Philly, man, it, it was really close. And you know Philly fans, so yep. you, you heard everything that they said, even when you didn't want to hear them say it, so – Today was nice. The fans were nice. They were clapping. There was no yeah. – no. They, they had to orchestrate the Raider chant. I, I just – you know, I, I'm, I'm a little shocked. I would think somebody will be – you know, somebody dropped the pass. There were some guys that dropped some passes or, or got burnt on some coverages. Yep. In Philly, I heard it when I got burnt. They were like, you're terrible. You suck, 29. You know, now it's like, oh, he dropped the pass. It's okay. He'll get the next one. No, yeah. it's not like that anymore. Man.
1: I was wondering the other way too. If the if the coaches were like, "Yeah, we got all these fans here. I can't really coach like I want to." But I I, I pointed out to you. I was like, uh, "Who's the coach over there who is just dropping f bombs all over some player?" So <laughs> they're coaching. They don't get. They don't. You know what? If you bring your kids out there, it's football, and uh, they're not they're not going to freaking hold back the language. Yeah,
2: that's one thing about football, man. It brings out everything. Uh,
1: you you. If you were a preacher, you might lose your religion uh,
2: if you're <laughs> coaching football. And, you know, he, he let those guys have it, and that's you know some coaches, uh, you know, coach that way. Some coaches use different language, but like I said, this is not a, it wasn't a kid friendly practice, and it's good to see the coaches get after these guys. You know, this is you know there's a lot of pressure on this staff to come in with a with a veteran team that's expected to do uh, big things going into the to the season. You know, you, you want to really get after these guys and show your presence, and if a guy can't handle it, then you know he needs to suck it up.
1: What do you think of the, the scramble drills they ran? And I know you made some comments on Twitter about Devontae Adams.
2: Um, the scramble drill is something that, you know, uh, I, I want to say his coach's name, but every team I've been on, they run that scramble drill. Um, and they're just Devontae Adams, the way he carries himself. Some players you can just tell uh, that they're leaders, And, you know, every drill, he's always first in every drill. He runs every route full speed. Uh, even in the scramble drill, you see Carr just throws up, and he still goes up and get it and it makes the – spectacular catch, look real easy. And, you know, for a young guy, for the, for the veteran guys, that's something that when you see a guy getting after it like that, just in a scramble drill, um, you know, that's got to rub off on the quarterback as well as the other offensive players.
1: Mark McMillan's with us here at Silver Sevens. This morning he was out at Raiders camp watching the, uh, the practice run by Josh McDaniels and company. I, I know you also pointed out or you noticed the work put in after practice by one of the backup wide receivers, uh, Tyron Johnson.
2: Yeah, I really like that kid. I know Adam Hill, you know, told me about him earlier, and I want to give him his credit, you know. But uh, you know, just watching uh, watching him perform, uh, I know a buddy of mine, Jalen uh, Jalen McCleskey. He was a wide receiver. His dad, I played with him, J.J. McCleskey. Uh, they're from New Orleans, so they told me to look out for this guy, and uh, just keep an eye out on him in one on He was winning every battle. Uh, a couple of plays, you know, he ran a double move in practice. They didn't get the ball to him. Uh, but you know, I, I, in the film session, I you know, I don't know if I was supposed to talk to the players or not, but I did. I did make it clear. I was like, "You're open, and they're going to see it in film." So you know, you ran a good route. So, like I said, man, I I, I don't know if I I'm, I'm still getting my feet wet uh, with this reporting thing behind the grass, but uh, you know, I, I just couldn't help but say something to the players.
1: Well, you're you're a coach, man. You coach uh, you high school players and younger, so it's it's hard to to cram it down, man. It comes out it comes out naturally. So you actually, as a media member, you stayed around for the press conference later in the day. So I think Kenyon Drake and uh, Avert both spoke, right? And you've got connections from, you know, from school with those guys.
2: Yeah, it was was cool to see those guys. Um, You know, it's an Alabama thing. Even uh, at practice, uh, you know, Josh came over and Kenyon came over. And, you know, we gave each other, you know, we embraced. And, uh, you know, I know Josh is uh, a lot of people saying, you know, this is is it for him, you know, for a running back. It's kind of tough now. They don't value the running back position as, as much as they did, uh, years ago, now, you know, the wide receivers get the deals and the quarterback. But, you know, being able to see these guys and ask these guys, you know, questions, uh, you know, Kenyon, uh, you know, it was pretty cool, man, to see those guys, uh, you know, feel happy. Uh, good to see Kenyon healthy. Um, and obviously you see uh, you know, Josh Jacobs moving around real fast. He looks lean. Uh, he knows what he has to do. It's just a look. You know, I know the reporters, everybody looked at me when he came over and talked to me, gave me a look. It's just something that you know, you know, that contract year, it, it, it's go time.
1: Mark McMillan on Cofield and Company. So something else to break down from the media session was Josh McDaniels talking about Denzel Perriman. And I, I thought he laid it out pretty well about how Perriman's really become a leader on and off the field. That's important, man. You got you have to have guys like that. So, what do you think of what McDaniel said? And when you think back to your defenses, who are some of the more vocal guys, but also delivered on the field?
2: Um, I would say you know back in Philadelphia, you know Byron Evans was that guy. Uh, you know, in, in San Francisco, Ken Norton Jr. was was that vocal guy, uh, and, and you need those kind of guys. And you know, Josh, uh, you know, uh, talked about it today in the press conference. If something needs to be done, he will make it happen, and guys respect him. And you know, he's been around. Uh, He has a good resume, Um, you know, and you need those kind of guys, especially at the linebacker position in the National Football League. That is your quarterback. Uh, You look at some of the defenses uh, back with New England, you know, he mentioned about Dante Hightower, uh, who plays that position, uh, who led the Super Bowl, you know, the pitch to several Super Bowls, playing that position and being a leader and being able to come through with it. So it's very important to have guys like that that you can bounce, uh, you know, questions off of and, and uh, you know some coaches feel co- more comfortable going and talking to older guys than they do younger guys.
3: Does the vocal guy have to be productive as well? Like I find it hard that the dude can't be really non-productive on the field and also be the most vocal dude trying to rally everybody.
2: Yeah, you can't be a cheerleader. Uh, you, you know, you can't be a cheerleader with, with the pom poms, and then when the lights come on, uh, no one can find you. So you know, you have to back it up uh, with your play. And you know, obviously, you know, being a linebacker. Uh, in this defense, you know, he's going to be called, you know, actually make a lot of calls. And just seeing some of the uh, checks that they were making, uh, linebackers trying to get on the same page, uh, you know, while the offense was checking off, uh, was really good to see. I saw the linebacker get after one of the work, uh, young free safeties, uh, letting him know he has to echo the call. Um, that's something as far as a young safety, you know, you just kind of – you don't know what you're doing and, and you're a little scared to, uh, you know, give that command. But, you know, he really barked at that safety to let him know you just can't keep your mouth closed back there. Uh, in the National Football League, there's going to be 90,000 people screaming. You need to be more vocal.
1: Mark, let's close on talking about the important things in life. Did you get a gander at the chicken fingers from Silver 7s that I tweeted out? <laughs> I, I did see that, man. I like the
2: crust on the chicken fingers, and you can't beat a, a good seasoned fry. So when I saw that, I was like, man, good crust on the chicken finger. Uh, I, I think we can get some Grilla McMillan dipping sauce that would that would take the place I don't know if that was a buffalo sauce that you had or whatever, but I think I could get something better. And you know, I know everybody in the press room today was was looking forward to me bringing some barbecue. I was like, they wouldn't let me bring that in. Security <laughs> wouldn't even let me bring in some
1: barbecue. in barbecue to the Raiders facility. <laughs> I we had a we we had dipping sauces all over that table today. We had a little barbecue sauce that was buffalo sauce. Uh, one of the guys at the table actually got brown gravy, which I was very jealous of. I actually wanted to dip in his dip, but mm-hmm. I was like, eh overextending, you know, it gets, you
2: can't Hey, double, so one the, you, you can't never
1: double, no, dip. don't double dip. Yeah. Take a bite and then dip in and stuff. Um, I saw that you, uh, you have, you have all your spice line uh, out there and you have more on the way. Do you have a, a new like coffee beef rub? Yeah, I have a coffee beef rub. I, I partnered up with
2: this uh, company called Coke coffee, uh, who is a national brand, uh, that that's probably going to uh, come on board and be a sponsor uh, of me as well. So I partnered up with them, um, so you'll probably be seeing me walking around with a Coke coffee in my hand. If you ever need any coffee or anything, you know, we'll, we'll make sure you get some. But it's a great company out of Phoenix, Arizona, a guy named Hans, a uh, really, really good guy. I met him through Larris uh um, my teammate with the Saints. And, uh, you know, we kind of partnered up, and I made a good uh, beef coffee rub out of his coffee.
1: Very nice. What did you have on the grill the other day? Were those brats or sausage? What was that?
2: I had some brats on, man. You know, the fam always likes the good brat, man. You can never go wrong with a good brat. And nothing like the sizzle. And then when they burst, then you know they're ready.
1: Yep. Yeah, your your brats are classic. That's a staple. (laughs) That's a staple. The tri-tip, too. I got to try the tri-tip at some point.
2: Oh, the tri-tip is amazing, man. So, you know, I'm back here in Vegas, uh, you know, full-time for for a while, so – you know, the first thing I did when I got back to my home, I went in the backyard and made sure my grills were still here and nobody stole them. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: last one. I've seen you doing a ton of videos, video features, and I I saw one of them. I think it was in Phoenix where you were using, it's a Dynaglow, right, the flat grill? Yeah. What were you doing on that yeah, for the video?
2: Um, uh, smash burgers. Uh, you know, I did some smash burgers on the Dynaglow uh flat top grill. Um, I did some uh, shrimp fried rice on it. You know, like Benny Hondas instead of going out to the, the Chinese restaurant, nice. I can do it right there in my backyard. All you need is some good rice, eggs, little rice, little peas, little chicken, little shrimp, whatever your protein is. I'm telling you, I can make
1: it happen, Steve. Whatever you want, I got you. And the, the Smash Burger, obviously, by name, you're going to smash it, but do you, do you smash the onions into it? Uh, I don't smash the onions
2: into it. I put mine on the side. It's all your preference. Uh, you know, some people. You know, my family—they don't like onions, so I, yeah. I, I got to put it on the side. Uh, but you can, you know, put the uh, the, the onions on the bottom, and uh, you know, smash the burger, grill the onions real nice, get that nice little crisp on the bottom of that patty, and flip it over. Oh man, come nice. on!
1: Nice, I, I, I'm, I'm coming up with a. Maybe I need to come out with a smash burger too, man. Why not? Seriously. By the way, you mentioned your family there. Uh, it's not kind of picky. Uh, you're cooking all the time. What do you, what, what do you mean you got you got to put stuff on the side? Tell him, you eat, you eat what I make. That's it. That's not the way it works for a peaceful home. Yeah, they're, they're spoiled,
2: man, especially my son, man. Whatever he, you know, if he doesn't like it, you know, the missus will be like, well, he's not going to eat that. I was like, well, you know, he's winning. I told him, if I was you, I'll never leave home. You got it made,
1: man. Yeah, yeah. John, John said, uh-huh. Well, the difference is, Mark, how old's your son? He's twenty-two. Yeah, exactly. John's how John? How old your older son? He'll be four next four. month. Four, it's older <laughs> when you're when you're twenty-two. You know what? You, you're living here. He's probably not paying rent. You're going to eat what I cook. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better train him early, man, because you know
2: you don't you know how mama bears are. They want their kids to stay around around as long as they can.
1: That's a good point. Eighteen, he's out. That's all right. Is oh, it? Yeah. That's it. That's a hard line. Your kids go. He gets kicked out. Eighteen.
3: I keep saying I cannot wait until I turn forty-seven.
1: Then you're free from one of them. <laughs> you still got a younger one. So, Mark, you're going to be out of practice on a pretty regular basis, right?
2: Yeah, I'll be out there. Uh, I think I'll be out there this Saturday. Uh, you know, I'll be out there as much as I can. Like I said, man, I love it out there, man. I, I, you know, I love to see these guys. And you have the roster with Alabama or California guys. So, I'm right at home, nah. man.
1: You know, uh, UNLV starts up this weekend, so they uh, – they start practicing this weekend, and I know I'll see you out there as well because you, you – Mark is very connected to the college kids because he's worked with so many of them, and so many are playing around the country. So UNLV has uh, – they have their work cut out for them. They got a, an earlier game. They should beat – they're a big favorite over Idaho State, but they, they got a lot of work to get done in like 30 days. Not even 30 – yeah, I guess right at 30 days. Yeah, right at 30 days.
2: Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of work. I'm excited to get back out there. I already hit up the guys to make sure I get my credentials. Uh, Coach Rago – uh, who's a coach for Idaho State? Is a good friend of mine from Arizona. Ooh. So, like I said, I'm well connected on both sides of the ball, both teams. So, college football is is something really great. I, I really love it, man. And you know, just a little side note for you know for Anthony Averett, You know, I recruited him for our All American game when he was coming out of New Jersey. So, I've been knowing him for a long time, man, even before he got to Alabama.
1: Mark, you're the man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. I right, appreciate it, fellas. There is the former Eagle. Nine-year vet of the NFL. Mighty Mouse. Not the biggest guy, but massive heart, great technique guy, passionate dude, and he joins us every week on Cofield and Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
2: <gun alarm> Cofield and Company presents...
1: Hey, hold on, 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 on up, diga... Grab
2: Bag.
0: Don't touch it. Don't even look at it.
2: Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Vegas.
1: Stick your hand in there, Dave. You know what? I just pulled out some Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. 364-1100, 364 7. Talk to Ari. Red Hot Chili Peppers in town August 6th. It's coming up in a couple weeks. Check that. Check that. Ticketmaster.com. 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 Have I been reading the wrong date about that show? Ari, you can pop on. I see two dates. I don't think so. No? No. Okay. I just want to make sure the tickets aren't going on sale on August sixth. Are they on August sixth? Live radio. We hash things up. No, Legion
3: Stadium, August sixth. Okay.
1: Okay. Two tickets right now. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Might be a little copy issue because it also says Friday, October eighth, on there.
3: Oh okay. No, nope. yeah, Saturday uh, August sixth. Awesome.
1: We nailed it. We nailed it. Call our seven, three six four eleven hundred. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. dot com, but we got a pair right now. From Ari. Back in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Boy, I got so much to get to before we get out of here. Real quick. uh, UNLV got a football transfer in um, at Media Day last week. Marcus Arroyo said they had two more 2022 scholarship players coming in. Couldn't announce it. I'm assuming this is one of the guys. They got a guy named Ryan Keeler Mm -hmm. to transfer from the Big Ten. Actually, from Rutgers. Um, Chicago kid, 6'5", 250. Should have all four years of his eligibility left, and was heavily recruited by the Big Ten. Wisconsin offered, Indiana offered, Minnesota offered, uh, schools like Oregon State. Really good list of schools, and now they've got hopefully a building block. And this is this is where UNLV is going to make the real gains to get to you know real big boy football is getting big boys. Like their offensive line has to get bigger and longer, as we talked to Arroyo about. But the defensive line, you got to have stout dudes. You got you got to have guys out there who are athletic and you know two seventy five plus, so they're get they're getting there, they're getting there. So that, that could be a good transfer. We'll track him.
3: Well, and also like to your point, I think one of the things that has eluded UNLV in the past is a an able and consistent pass rush. We saw that kind of come along last year as well, and that includes this something in addition like this too. In today's day and age, with offenses, the way you got to be able to get after the guys, and I think that's a really good signing
1: in that direction. Good deal. Thanks to Silver Sevens. Their Thursday great gas giveaway is coming up right after 6 o'clock. Every 15 minutes they give away a $100 gas card. All right, good job booking the show. Thanks to Mark McMillan, who was just on, and Jesse Kurtz, who came on with us earlier in the show. Jed, awesome job of setting things up. Get down here. Silver Sevens is a great spot to hang out, watch sports, and bet over at the William Hill Rates and Sportsbook.